Welcome to The Outpouring with Executive Pastor Bob Oliver of the New Covenant Church of Philadelphia. Let me kick off what I want to say by asking you um, to do a little word association with me. So just, I want you to just answer me out loud. Let's be rather informal um, together. And I want you to, when I give you a name, I'd like you to call out the first word or two that come to your mind. Rahab. Harlot. Good, good. Um, Bartimaeus. Blind. Thomas. Doubting. Naaman. Leper. Boy, y'all are good. You get straight A's. Now, I'll tell you in a moment why I opened with that exercise, but first let me give you the title of this message and the text, read the text with you, and then I'll talk more about what we just did. My title is The Power of Positivity. And the text is Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. You are free to follow in whatever Bible you have, uh, but I'm reading from NASB. Philippians 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Now, why did I open with that word association? Because I want you to think with me for just a moment. The names I gave you and you responded with what we would have all responded uh, with in churches that are familiar with their Bible, but those names are all people who played a key role somewhere in redemptive history. And yet, if you would stop and think about it, the first thing that comes to our minds when we think about those names is something negative. Rahab the harlot. Now, granted, she was a businesswoman at a certain point in her history. She was a street businesswoman. She ran a probably a thriving business. And we know her by that title, but the fact is, that was just a snapshot of a life that God had a plan for and executed that plan through. And what God ended up doing with her had nothing to do with her background. The first thing I want you to understand as I just make these points is that your history doesn't determine your destiny. Where you have been 
is not what God was up to. What God was up to in all of our lives was what he had destined for us and the history can be wrapped in and rolled in by way of testimony, no question about that. But the reality is we've got to get out of the history business and get into the destiny business so that we can come to understand that no matter how difficult a season anybody has ever gone through, when God gets through working out his plan and his purpose, he is going to get glory and the world will be blessed by you and what he does through you, even despite your history. So yes, she was a harlot, but I want you to know something else. Today, she is in God's hall of faith. Just think about it. Hebrews 11, she's right there. And so we need to realize that, uh, that these negative things need to be rethought. Bartimaeus, he was blind, but that was a season of his life. A long season of his life, but a season of his life. And at a certain point, he heard that Jesus was coming down the road. And you know what happened. He heard that Jesus was coming down the road and he decided, oh, here's my chance to have my circumstance changed because I heard this man is a healer. So he said, son of David, have mercy on me. And you know what happened. The ushers came over. <laughs> That's not in your Bible, the ushers came? Okay. Well, right. well, this say people came over, right? So just, I just made them ushers. That's all. Because I've been in church all my life. I'm a pew baby. I grew up on churches. And I know the ushers come over with them gloves and that hand behind the back. I have never figured out why the hand was behind the back. All these years I've been in church. But the hand behind the back. So I've had them, I, I've talked about this over the country. And different folks send me emails explaining to me what the hand is about. And all that. When they get through they, their email, I still don't know what y'all doing. When they, They came on over and uh, they said, you need to be quiet. Jesus is, is dealing with some other folk. And as they walked back, he cried the louder. He said, when you get this close to a miracle, you're not, it's not about dignity. It's not about protocol. When you get this close to a miracle, you better scream. And he hollered all the louder, son of David, have mercy on me. And that, that goes to show you that, yeah, you can have a very challenging season, but don't make your season your assignment. Your season is where you have been. Your season is a period of time, but your destiny, your assignment is what you're going to. And a lot of us fixate on what we're going through and we don't pay enough attention to what we're going to. Thomas, we think doubting. Why? Because we think of that one major episode in his life when he simply said something that many others may have thought, they just didn't have the courage to say it. When, the, when it was noised that Jesus was resur had been resurrected from the dead, he said, 
I won't believe it unless. He didn't say, I, I don't believe. He said, I'm going to need some evidence. I won't believe it unless I can touch him and I saw him on that cross. So I won't believe it unless I can put my hand in the side that was pierced. And so Jesus, knowing his heart, said, oh, is that, that's the only issue you got? And you know the story. Jesus met up with those disciples post-resurrection, and he told Thomas, go ahead and get your evidence. Ever since that moment, what did he say in that moment, in fact? He said, my Lord and my God. Why are we still calling him doubting? He believing. He led us in believing. He led so many folk. He was one of those people who spent the rest of his life saying Jesus is dead. He is no longer dead. He's alive. He was dead for only a weekend. That's why he wouldn't even, he, he, they gave him a tomb to use. You know the story. Joseph of Arimathea allowed him to have his brand new rock-hewn tomb, but Jesus didn't need to buy it. In fact, he didn't even need to lease it. He only borrowed it for the weekend. He got up and he said, I've got all power in my hand. And I'm not going to reside in a tomb the rest of my life. I'm going to reside at the right hand of the Father. I'm here to let you know that we sometimes put these labels on folk as if that's who they are. And I need to tell you that what you are going through is not who you are. And how you are feeling is not who you are. And the worst time in your life was not who you are. Those are episodes. Those are crises. Those are challenging times. Those are not destiny. Destiny has to do with what God is up to in our lives. And I want to let you know that God is up to something in your life. And in order for you to maximize what he's up to, you're going to have to begin to access the power of positivity. And I need you to know that in no uncertain terms. Now, now these days, some evangelical leaders are, are really down on positive preaching because they, they see that as, oh, that's watered down gospel. Oh, that's, that, that's just that's man-made stuff. I beg to differ at least about the part I'm going to share. Don't say this, what I'm about to share is man-made. Did you notice that what we read was something that you could easily say, oh, that's just somebody talking about positivity. When you hear whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's commendable, if there's any excellence or anything worthy of praise, think on these things. Don't say that's some prosperity positive preacher. You know who said that? The Apostle Paul. Paul was the one who gave us those words. In fact, he gave us the words in his letter to the church at Philippi. Do you know that he did not write that letter from the Philippian Holiday Inn? He didn't write it from the, oh, let's get more classy than that because some of us don't stay at the Holiday Inn no more. We too cute for that. 
We started that. I bet back in the day, I did a many a holiday in. Now I can't remember last time I was in one. God has blessed me. I go a little, I've gone to a higher place now. Some of us know what it is to be in a writ in a ritz every now and then. Some of us know what it is to be in a come on four seasons. Don't matter where you were. Well, if you're still in the holiday inn, thank God for it. But the fact of the matter is he was not in a luxury hotel or a budget hotel. When he gave us those words, think on all these positive things, he was under house arrest. He did not have the freedom to go wherever he wanted, to do whatever he wanted. He was under house arrest. When he said, y'all got to become positive. Life wasn't wonderful for him in this season. It was challenging. Not only was that a challenging moment when he writes this letter, he had challenges many of us have never had to deal with. Let me give you some of Paul's own testimony. He wrote this in 2 Corinthians 11, beginning at verse 23. Are they, talking about others who were his critics, he, he, came, he came for his critics in 2 Corinthians 11. Folk always talking about me. He said, are they ministers of Christ? He said, I am more. Then listen to what he said in his testimony. He said, here's my, here's my resume. In labors, more abundant than them. In stripes, above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A day and a night in the deep, in the, in, in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils in my, with my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides all of these things, I have to deal every day with my concern for the church. Now, most of us have never gone through one-fourth one of that kind of trouble. Now, I mean, that's why some of y'all just, we mean well, we say, honey, I'm just like Paul. No, you're not. I'm just like Paul, whatsoever state. Haven't even been outside of Pennsylvania talking about whatsoever state. <laughs> Paul just told you I have been to hell and back a few times. He said, but I'm the same one who's telling you we need to stay on the positive side. We go through negative things, but that's not our destiny. Sometimes that take, we got to do that to benefit other people. He went through all that so he could keep on preaching the word of God. And I need you to know that God is up to something in your life and you need to be a person who makes up your mind today that for the rest of my life, yes, I will go through some difficult things, not by my choosing, that's just called life here on this planet. But although I go through them, I'm not going to stay there. The problem with some of us is that we camp out in the valley of the shadow of death. 
You know, well, you know, David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of this. Yes, he did. But notice he said, yea, though I walk through. He didn't say, yea, though I bought a house in the valley of the shadow of death. I'm renting, I'm leasing with an option to buy. He said, yes, I got to go through the valley of the shadow of death sometimes. He said, but that's all right. I don't fear evil. Why? Because I'm not by myself even when I'm in the valley. I got my shepherd with me. He never left me in any valley. Anybody can say that? I've been through some tough stuff, but my shepherd, the great shepherd, never left me. In my darkest times, he was right there with me. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, because thou, God, you're with me. Your rod and staff comfort me. And then I love this. He said, and he prepares a table for me right in the presence of my enemies. Your enemies looking to see your demise. And keep on looking at me because you're not going to see my demise. You're going to see me show up at a table and it's going to be in your presence. All of y'all who talking about me, all of y'all who say I'm never going to be anything, keep on watching because I'm going to be at a table that God reserved for me. And notice the enemies are at the table, but they don't get to eat. And you see that? They, it's prepared in their presence. It doesn't say anything about them eating. All they can do is pass me the peas. Why? Because God, God is up to something in my life. And if you are a child of God called according to his purpose, he's up to something in your life as well. And he's not going to be done with you while you're still in a valley. So you got to keep your head right. You might be going through something tough, but don't start thinking that's life. We got to get our heads lifted up. We got to think at a higher level. Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are commendable, whatsoever things are excellent, whatsoever things are worthy of praise, that's what we've got to think about because God is up to something. I'll never forget seven years after working with my dad and I left Philadelphia to go to California and uh, one of the books that came out that year I got to California, 1989, was written by a gentleman. He's now uh, gone, but he, his name is Stephen Covey. And that book impacted me on, in, in a no uncertain term. It was called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And uh, Stephen in that book says many quotable things. One of the quotables in that book is, sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. And he was teaching us that what you think is what's going to manifest itself. And that if you keep thinking the right things, then your actions will start lining up. And if you start acting on the right things, you'll develop positive habits. And if you develop positive habits, you will grow up a strong character. And he says it is out of that character that you will reap your destiny. Which ought to help some folk understand, well, that must be the problem with my life. Because I'm thinking about stuff that I have no business thinking about. So no wonder my life is not going anywhere I want it to go. We've got to get our minds lined up with our destiny. 
And yes, I might be going through something difficult, but don't let it get in your head. Don't practice what, what I want to call stinking thinking. You got to start practicing for where you want to go, even if you're not there yet. You got to get there in your head first. This church is sitting here because it was in the head of this leader first. Before this was built, it was conceived in a positive mind that said, there is something that I see in my mind's eye. And here we sit today because it was seen. Everything has two uh, expressions. The first is invisible, and then the latter is visible. And the invisible is what we got to get ourselves together about. We've got to start thinking. We got to check out our thought life. We've got to reevaluate the way we're thinking and how we're thinking. These days, we got everybody talking, but is it something that others need to hear? When I, when I left uh, Philadelphia and moved to California in 1989, it was just the beginning seeds that within a few years was going to create Silicon Valley. And I was there to see it. I pastored right in that very region. And I was able to see these things start manifesting. And all of them manifested first in somebody's head. Facebook was in a head first. And then now the world, at least the old part of the world, is still on Facebook. If you talk to the young folk, they'll tell you, oh, you're still on Facebook and that facial frown up. Because they have long since passed by that. And these young folk, they're now on some other stuff that y'all don't know. In fact, saints, please get, get, come on up into the 21st century. Join us. There's some wonderful stuff up here. I know there's some devilish stuff up here, but get your head right. There's a way that you can use the internet to be a blessing and to reach the lost. One of the ways we're reaching the world is through the, the internet. So you got to start cursing the darkness and start turning on the light. And you got to think differently about it. And the fact is, we, everybody now has a podcast, whether they got something to say or not, they all talking. It's amazing to me, like, what? You got a podcast, you don't even have a job. What you talking about? But you know what I found out? Their jobs, in many cases, have become the podcast because they've learned how to monetize stuff and they are making money. Now you got these younger folk, y'all can curse it all you want. The fact is you got young folk, you said what, what, you know when we, come on baby boomers, when we were kids and they asked us what we wanted to be, it was a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer, an attorney, a pre well, preacher, no, not necessarily, and uh, stuff like that. But you know, nurse and all different things like that. Now you ask a bunch of these kids and they say, I want to be an influencer. And we old people got to catch on up because the first time a kid told me I want to be an influencer, I said, yeah, but what do you want to do to make money? And I had to learn they were talking about stuff that's making major money because they are becoming these influencers. They're using social media, all these platforms, TikTok and stuff like that. And again, they garner all these millions of followers. And the companies say, well, if you got that many folk following you, then here, you can push my product on TikTok. 
and you got kids out here making more money than their parents. So, yeah, you can curse the darkness if you just feel like doing that. I'd say get your head right and start learning how to turn on the lights and make a difference for Christ in this world. We got to think differently. We got to think at a higher level. We got to stop being so negative. We got to stop looking for problems and celebrate uh, solutions. If you look for it, you're going to find it. If you want to find a problem, they're all around us. Why don't you take that same energy and find a solution to the problem? And then use that to be a platform on which you can glorify God. We got to get our heads right, saints. Some of us are just too negative for our own good. If you get your head right, you would be surprised that your circumstance doesn't have to dictate your limits. Your circumstance might be a platform God will use to catapult you. Do you know, just think about American presidential history. Do you know that Franklin Delano Roosevelt, so, so many of us uh, baby boomers uh, heard about him before we got here, but the fact of the matter is this was a beloved president who uh, really made a major positive impact in American history. What most of us don't realize is that he did it from a wheelchair. He was paralyzed from the waist down, but he didn't let that stop him leading the free world because he didn't go around advertising because you know I'm in a wheelchair, right? He was busy leading. He didn't need to talk about that. He didn't need to think about it. He didn't need to cry the blues. Oh, I would really do something. If I could get up out this chair, oh man, I'd be tanned it up. That's not the way he lived his life. He said, this chair can get me anywhere I need to go. Now, thinking of those chairs, later on, there was a man uh, named Ralph Braun. He was known, he is known as the creator of the first wheelchair accessible van where you can be wheelchair bound, but you can drive your own van. How did that happen? Because a man named uh, uh, Ralph Braun invented such a wheelchair accessible van that you can control just using your hands. It was the first accessible minivan in history. This man had a vision to bring mobility to millions of people around the world, and he did exactly that. And there are people who can get around all over the world because he said, why should a wheelchair keep you from going where you want to go? And so he created the solution rather than sulking about the problem. I've ministered with a man named Ken Miedema. He's a tremendously talented singer and musician uh, and, and, uh, and we, we've ministered together uh, in some conferences. What a lot of folks don't know till they show up and, and hear him is that he is almost completely blind. And yet Ken uh, Miedema is singing all over the world. He plays piano and, and, and he sings. He writes extemporaneously right on the spot. And so when we've ministered together, he'll, he'll 
uh, listen to me preach, and then he'll go to the piano and he'll write a song based on what I preached. And we, on at least two occasions, his song was better than my message. I still have a little problem with that. But we'll just have to deal with that along the way. So here you got a man who, who has been in that condition all, virtually all of his life. But he didn't say, man, I wish I could see. I wish I had 20-20 vision. Trust me, bro, there's folk with 20-20 vision who can't see. All they can see physically. But that's not what they need to see. They need to see possibilities. They need to see that God is up to something. They need to see that there are things beyond your circumstance. And this man is gifted and, and singing improvisationally all around the world, ministering the love of Jesus Christ. One more example like that. There, uh, being born with no arms or legs didn't define who uh, Australian evangelist and motivational speaker Nick's, Nick Vojtich is. He is another man I've had the privilege of ministering along with uh, at a certain uh, conference. At the age of 17, Nick started his own nonprofit organization called Life Without Limbs. He travels the world helping people understand that um, life with significant so-called disabilities doesn't have to mean life without purpose. And here is a man, when they call on him at a conference, at a, at a convention, and uh, everybody stands up, he rolls out on a custom table. And, and it is the most amazing thing. And what you see is, from the audience, you're saying, wait a minute, that's half a torso. What, what, what's going on here? And the answer is, this is a man who was born with no legs and no arms. But he was not born without purpose. He was born with purpose. And when he was born again, that purpose lit up. And he travels the world teaching people how to live life to the full. You don't need arms, you don't need legs is what he shows you. Doesn't have to tell you, he just shows you that he lives his life. He's a married man with biological children. You got to understand something. Your life is not your circumstance. Your life is what you determine in your mind. You're going to let God do through it. And so we've got to get out of the business of thinking circumstances, that's the end of things. I need somebody to know that. Uh, several years ago, my wife and I joined another pastoral couple um, as they were, he was going to, this pastor, my, one of my dearest pastoral uh, covenant brothers is Pastor John K. Jenkins Sr. He pastors First Baptist Church in Glen Arden, Maryland. And, um, and so we went with him and his wife, Trina, uh, as he was going to preach at a South Africa uh, mega church. And so we said, we're we going to go along and just hang out with y'all for the week. We said, oh, great. And so we went, hung, spent, I think it was about eight days. We ended up being together there. 
uh, this pastor of the megachurch in, in uh, South Africa I had never met before, but I was just going to hang out with my friend. And uh, the two couples, we just, we just caught the flight, went to South Africa. And um, what I didn't know is that he had told the pastor about me as one of his covenant brothers. And I guess he had said some things about my ministry that the pastor found interesting. So when I got there, I'm just excited to be there, going to watch my friend preach. And he, he had, they had him lined up. And this church has different branches. And he was going to be preaching, you know, most of those days. I think he was going to preach about uh, seven, eight times while he was there. And I said, like, cool, I'll, I'll go, I'll be your armor bearer. I'll take your bag with you, whichever service we're going to. And uh, what I didn't know is when I got there, the, the man that met us, oh, yes, yes, nice to meet you. Now, here is, Pastor Shepard, here is your speaking schedule. And I said, wait, I said, no, 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 he, he's the preacher. He said, no, no, he has his, he came with his, he's the reason for the meeting. But when the pastor heard about you, he said, well, no need of you just come and hang it out. Put me to work. Now, I bring that up for one reason, one reason only. While there, one of the, I ended up preaching six times on vacation. One of the places he had me preach, one of the branches, one of the uh, satellites of their mega church, they were driving me, said, okay, we're going to have you preach uh, today at, um, at a place, a settlement. I said, okay, I'm going to the settlement. And I know about settlements and some like, but I thought it was going to be a nice, you know, not so, not so bad settlement. And, and they drove me up on the trash heap of the city. And as we were going up the trash heap of the city, you saw all these, you couldn't call them houses, all these uh, structures where people had put tin together and something to cover heads and stuff. And all these families were coming out of all these structures, getting ready to go up to the top where they had built a little makeshift church. And when I got up there, I found myself preaching on the trash of a city. And the folks came, they live on the trash hill. And they came to church, and trust me when I tell you, they worshiped God harder in that service than we worshiped in here today. You know why? Because nobody told them their circumstance ought to determine how well they worship God. No folk were dancing and carrying on like they had money, like they had clothes, like they had cars. They never thought about their circumstance. They thought about the goodness of the God they serve. Let me shut this down. I got five minutes and 16 seconds left. Let me tell you, it's time for you to put the accent on the positives in your life. It's time for you to stop criticizing uh, everything about your circumstance that you don't like. And you've got to be like Paul. Yes, I don't like that I'm in jail, but I'm telling you all that you need to think about some positive 
things. We've got to learn to get our heads in the place where God can work miracles and where God can turn around circumstances. But we're not waiting for the circumstantial change before we praise him. you got to learn to praise him in advance. Some of y'all need to put a down payment on a miracle just through your praise. I'm appraising before I get my blessing. I'm appraising before I get my breakthrough. I'm going to praise him before I get my miracle. I'm going to praise him before I get my house. I'm going to praise him before I get the new job. I'm going to praise him right now, not for where I am, but where I believe he's going to take me. So I just need y'all to make up your mind. I just want you to make up your mind. Just decide right here, right now that you're going to get your head lifted up, get your mind lifted up, get your thinking in another higher place. Stop living in the lowlands of negative thinking and get up where God is and where you can see that God, you got to do what, what Paul said to the Colossians. He said, you got to think above. You got to think higher. You got to get your mind lifted up. God is up to something in your life. Saints, get your act together. Get your head in the game. Square your shoulders and get up. If you're sleepy, wake up. If you're tired, perk up. If you're discouraged, cheer up. If you're disgruntled, sweeten up. If you're crooked, straighten up. If you're dirty, clean up. If you're tardy, catch up. If you're guilty, fess up. If you're childish, grow up. If you're empty, fill up. If you're low-key, turn up. If you're timid, stand up. If you're cold, heat up. If you're complacent, fire up. If you're gossiping, shut up. If God has, if life has knocked you down, get back up. If you're downcast, look up. But whatever you do, never give up because God is up to something in your life and your best is yet to come stand up with me told y'all I'd be done when I said I would but before I hand it over to pastor let me pray for you how many of you would say you know pastor I, I didn't just hear your message I appreciate it but I, I heard the spirit of the Lord nudge me that I need to change my thinking about some stuff in my life. Whether it's people in your life or circumstances in your life or whatever, where you've been in a negative mindset and you, you, you heard the Lord say, no, no, think on a higher level so that I can do some more things with you. If that's you, just, just kind of wave your hand so I can know that I had a clear word for some folks. I see, I see that, I see that, I see that, I see that. Let me pray for you, and then I'm going to turn it over. Father, thank you for the entrance of your word. The entrance of your word brings light. Now, God, I pray that you will take this spoken word, re-preach it in the hearts and the minds of the people. 
And I thank you that you're going to use this word to change somebody, not just for now, but for the rest of their lives. And for this, we give you thanks and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you for joining us in service today. We pray that this ministry has been a blessing to you and your family. To give your gift of love and help keep this ministry on the air, visit nccop.church giving for all of the ways that you can donate to the ministry. Thank you so much for your generosity and God's blessings until we meet again.